1 John chapter 3. Uh, Sunday evenings looking at our love for the Lord. And uh, we obviously know the Lord loves us, but how do we come back and love the Lord like we should? 1 John chapter 3 again. And he says, notice, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him, pure, in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not, whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Okay, so we're going to see tonight this love that was manifest or bestowed, as he uses there, upon us. And tonight I want you to notice with me that uh, the trinity of love. We have the Father loves us, the Son loves us, and the Holy Spirit loves us, and all three of them uh, demonstrate that to us very clearly. And that's something that we ought to rejoice in, and I know you do. Now, we think about this, that the unsaved individual lives a life of habitual sin. No matter how moral or religious that person may be, he continues in sin. Now, he lives the sin of unbelief. But the true child of God well, he cannot live that way. Well, why? He says because we know God. K-N-O-W. Know. Knowledge. That's one of the key words in the book of 1 John. Know. We can know that. He says later in chapter 5, he says that we may know that we're saved. A lot of people are confused about it. Can I know I'm really saved? I mean, is that true? Yes, you can. Now, you think about this knowledge that we have. It comes back to us. As we see the love, now the real Christian knows God. Because we know Him, we live lives of obedience. Now, thinking about this tonight with me, first of all, I want you to notice the love of the Father. We'll look then at the love of the Son and the love of the Holy Spirit. But first, the Father loves us. That's very clearly. He says, the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Now, I don't need to go into that tonight, but just the, the, the mind-blowing thought that Father, Almighty God, would call us a son and a daughter. We'd be part of the family of God. That's amazing to me. We're heirs with Him, we, we're called. And to see that. Now, He tells us, first of all, what we are. What we are. Okay, We are loved of God. We know that. Uh, we are the sons of God. But we see here clearly what it means. Now, that means privileges, but it also means responsibilities. And with every privilege is responsibility, right? Too much is given, much is required. Every responsibility we're given it comes with privileges. Every privilege we're given comes with responsibilities. We know that. Okay, so we're privileged. Well, we're heirs of His riches. We have access to Him in prayer. The unsaved world does not have access to God in prayer. They think it's funny and strange and weird when you tell them that you pray, don't they? And especially when you pray out loud. You tell them, I pray out loud and my car or whatever the case, they think you're crazy. We have access to him, the Bible says, by him, Romans 5 in particular, talks about that access we have. The handling of his word, that's a responsibility. That's also a privilege. It, we represent him in this world. Very clearly, we know all of that. So thinking through this, 
Those are some of the privileges that we have, but also responsibilities come with that. Well, what are they? To live right in this world. We are called the sons of God. Every man that hath this, verse 3, hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Okay, so it's always pointing back to Christ. Or in this case, we're talking about the Father, but we know what he means. So we see that it's purification, as we said this morning in James. James says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, purify your hearts. The action-oriented part of that. I talked to one fellow one time, and he said, boy, I wish God would just cleanse me and take away all my sin. <laughs> and I said, well, he will, but you've got a part in that too. And you've got to put forth an effort in this endeavor and put forth an effort to not sin. Now that's clear. Now this means the responsibilities. We live right in this world and we win souls to Christ. <coughs> Sorry, okay. Now we are hated by this world. We know that. He tells us what we are. John 15 talks about that. Uh, if the world hates you, you know it hated me before it hated you. He says, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. Now remember this. But because you're of the world, not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Now remember that. That was given to us by Jesus Christ himself, didn't it? He says, now if you were of the world, it would love you. How many remember being in the world, living in the world? Yeah, all of us. And they loved it. And they said, boy, come with us, and great, you fit right in. You did all you could to fit in, and everything else. But then when you got saved and right with the Lord and all of that, then all of a sudden all your friends disappear. Well, they were never your friends, were they? They were just fakes and, and shams anyway. But you think about it. We're different. He says, if it hates you, the world hates you, no, it hated me first. And if this world hates you and shuns you, you ought to take that up as a good thing. Chalk that up as, hey, praise the Lord. Okay. We're not going out causing people to hate us, you know that. But when we're living for God, doing what's right, we're not antagonistic or rude or crude to people. Uh, we're not standing on the street corner with a cardboard sign saying, repent or perish. Although I might, I should do that, shouldn't I? That might, I need to do something like that. I was joking with my dad the other day. We pulled up to the stoplight and a guy was standing there with a cardboard sign. I said, hey, Let's stop him, and I want to ask him how much he makes a day. I just want to find out. You know, I need to ask that guy real quick. Uh, he's making probably 20 bucks an hour. I don't know. Uh, pray for those people, by the way. Uh, you think about now we're, uh, what we are. Okay. Now, he tells us what we shall be, and he tells us what we should be. Okay. Now, notice verse 2 again. What we shall be. Behold, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. We don't know yet what's going to happen particularly, or what we shall be. But notice what he said. But we know when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now we shall be changed. The Bible is clear. We shall be like Jesus, and we shall be face to face with the Lord. Very fascinating. People often ask, uh, Brother Tim, what, uh, what's it going to be like? Are we going to grow wings and be floating around? Well, no. <laughs> no. I said to my wife the other day, I said, be careful, my halo is up here. And she said, yeah, your horns are holding it up. So I said, okay, that's not very nice, but we're not going to have that, but we're going to be like him, right? Now, people often ask, well, what are we going to look like? What are we going to carry our bodies and other things like that? We won't get into all that tonight. But you will have a new body, a glorified body. Praise the Lord for that. 
where there'll be no more pain, no more sin running through these veins, no more contamination, none of that, no more disease and other such things. So we see what he says is, he tells us what we shall be, but he also tells us what we should be, verse 3. We should be looking for his return and we should be purifying ourselves. Those are the two things. This hope that's talked about, it's called the blessed hope, uh, the old uh, timers would call it, but the blessed hope we look for. What's that? The return of Christ. Why are we laboring today? Why are you in church tonight instead of staying home and chilling and relaxing and getting ready for the busy week you have tomorrow? Well, because we're looking forward to that return, and He could return tonight. We're not sure. But in our obedience, we're in where God wants us to be, and in our obedience to Him, we're doing what He's asked us to do, and a part of that is the purification. The purification. So it's very clear the Father loves us, okay? We know that. For God, G-O-D, God so loved the world that He sent His Son. The love was initiated by the Father. And the, the, the Creator God, again, uh, we got into some of that already. So We should not uh, miss this. We should not miss this, that God truly loves us. Okay. Now let's look at, uh, secondly, the Son and His love for us. For us. Okay. Uh, verse number 4 again, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth the law, for sin is a transgression of the law. And ye know, here's a, here it is again, that He was manifested. Now who's He talking about? Jesus Christ, to take away our sins. And then he says, and in him is no sin. Very clear. He clarifies that the sinless perfection of Jesus Christ, okay, the impeccability of Christ. He clarifies that. No man that has sin running through his veins could take away your sins. He's a hypocrite and a liar. But a person who has pure blood, the very Son of God that was manifested, the Bible says, Paul goes on to say to Timothy in 1 Timothy, God was manifested in the flesh in the form of Jesus Christ. He says that person can take away your sins. He has the ability to do that. Now, notice the love the Son has for us. Um, we think about here, I have a few, let me jump ahead here. Christ appeared to take away our sins. That was clear. He was manifested to take away our sins. They came to Jesus one day and said, Lord, what are you doing here? What's your goal? What's your purpose? He says what? I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. I like that part. He also says in another place, he says, I didn't come to be ministered unto. I didn't come for people to rub my feet and wave palm leaves and feed me grapes. No, that day's coming. But he says, I came this time, the first time, I came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, to serve you, and to give my life a ransom for many. One of the most underappreciated uh, verses in all the Bible. <laughs> that little side note. Oh, and to give my life a ransom for many. The ransom that he was. If someone were to come into your home tonight and take one of your children or your grandchildren and take them and kidnap them, and you found out later a note was left on the bed where they were sleeping and said, we want $5 million and we'll give you your kid back. Well, you'd do everything you could in your power. You'd be calling every person you know and say, can I borrow some money? I mean, I'll do anything. What do you, I'll do anything, right? There's the ransom note. That's exactly what Jesus did, didn't he? They said, no, you can't have. Satan said, no, I want all of them. He said, no, I will do something to intercede on their behalf. And that's what he did. He paid the ransom for us. He, he appeared to take away our sins. Now we see the definition of sin here given to us in verse 4. 
Sin is the transgression of the law. The law was given. We've transgressed the law. They asked one time, it said, has anyone kept the law? What was the answer? No. No one's ever kept the law. Not one person kept the law. Now, Jesus never transgressed. We could say that. But the sin, true sin, is the transgression of the law. We've all broken God's law. And because of that, God is a judicial God. And because we broke His law, we have to have some form of an advocate, or we could say an attorney, on our behalf to stand up in court and say, Tim screwed up, pardon my language, we messed up, and I'm going to stand in his place and take the punishment. I'll take the 30, 35 years to life for what he did to that person. That's exactly what Jesus did. He's a judicial God, and, but he's a just God. Right? We've broken his law. Sin is the transgression of the law. Well, also the Bible goes on to describe in Proverbs 24, 9, the thought of foolishness is sin. That's just foolishness. It's just the thoughts of foolish things. Fantasy and uh, fraud and pride and everything else that we think about. It's just foolishness. It's sinful. So you can sin with your thoughts. Remember that. It's not just action. It's not just tangible, empirical things like that that we perform. It can be in your thought life. Okay. Also, the Bible goes on to say, Romans 14, 23, Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Well, that's a little confusing, but it's pretty clear. If it's not by faith, it's sinful. Why? Because we come back relying upon what Tim can do and what, my, what I think about. Well, we can do that, but I don't know if we can handle that. And it's all the practicality. Practical thinking has killed more, uh, more attempts of faith than anything else, I really think. We have a practical mindset. We give it to the Lord. Now, that's the thought of foolishness. I'll, I'll encourage you to study some of that on your own. He, him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not... To him it is sin. James 5, 17. You know to do good, but you don't do it. You know to do good. And that's something in the sermon in, of itself, but we think about all that we could do and should do, but don't do it. We must do that. All unrighteousness is sin. He says there in 1 John 5 and verse 17. So clearly, defining sin for us to understand exactly what Christ did and came and took away that sin. The transgression of the law. The thought of foolishness. Knowing to do something that we should do and not doing it. And so on and so forth. He came to take that away. Now what happened to our sins? Well, He took them away. Verse 5. And ye know, there it is again, that He was manifested to do what? Take away our sins. Take them away. Now what does that imply? Well, he took away the roots, not just the fruits of sin. Right? He didn't just take all the fruit of sin, okay, I'll wipe it all clean. People want to commit sin, but don't want to deal with the consequences of sin, right? I want to have fun with her, but I don't want an unwanted pregnancy. I don't want abortion. I don't want none of that, right? I want to do this and party here and do these things, and I'm being a little shallow with that, but, you know, a lot of those things... and. I don't want the consequences. Well, Christ was manifested to take away the roots of the sin. I mean, the very heart of it. To take it away. That's what he did. He took it away. He paid the price for that. Just again, a reminder of that. As Jesus hung on that cross, the Bible says the earth went black. Everything went black. Lights went out. There was an earthquake. The lights went out. You know the story, I'm sure. What happened? He cries out and says, My God, why hast thou forsaken me? And all of that. Well, all of the wrath 
that's talked about in the Bible for sin. Sin must be paid for. Don't ever let someone tell you that sin doesn't need to be paid for. According to God's judicial terminology and the way that he, he works, sin has to be paid for. So that wrath came. All the wrath of all the sin was poured out upon Jesus in that moment. Now, no other person could ever handle that and take that except the Son of God. And so in that moment, when all of that was poured out upon him, he paid the price. He said the last statement, it is finished. And he gave up the ghost and bowed his head and he died. He took all the sin and he paid it. And the Bible goes on to say that it was a satisfactory payment, the propitiation for our sins. It satisfied the Lord, Almighty God. That ought to be something to rejoice in. Amen. It satisfied him. Is there anything else, Lord, we got to do? He says, no, that satisfied the wrath. That satisfied what it was. What a wonderful Savior. Okay, but this is what we're talking about. The Father loves us. The Son loves us. Okay. We see He took away the roots of it. He took away the power of sin over us. The power of sin. Now, addiction is a real thing, and it's a real, real problem today. Any of you have ever been in addiction, you may know that. So it's very difficult. But we have the power and ability to overcome sin. You don't have to be a victim of sin. You don't have to get victimized by sinfulness in your life. You can overcome it. How do I do that? You've got to, as we said this morning, submit yourself to God. First, you've got to submit yourself. Lord, I can't do this. I can't keep my mouth shut. <laughs> That's me. Keep my mouth shut. He'll help you to do it. I can't avoid this thing. I can't do it. He'll help you do it. Why? Because he was manifested to do that. Okay, I'm sorry for uh, belaboring that point. How do we keep from sinning? <clears throat> Verse number 6. Whoso abideth in him sinneth not. <coughs> Excuse me. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Now, you know this, I'm sure, but all of us are sinners. <laughs> We all sin. We're born sinners. We have that nature in us, okay? And you think about this. We're going to sin, and we're going to sin until the day we breathe our last breath, Lord willing, in some hospital room with our family members gathered around us at the eight, ripe old age of 102 years old. Okay, that's the goal, right? <laughs> some of you are going, I don't want to live that long. And Brother Matt's going, oh, I don't want to. <laughs> There's other things that happen, tragically. Lord willing, they won't. But what is happening? We sin, but he says, notice, whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. <clears throat> That's that, again, you know, habitual, constant sinfulness. We're doing what we can to avoid it. <clears throat> we must be righteous, and we must abide in him. Okay? Okay, I'll wrap this up here before I start coughing too much. Now, Christ appeared to destroy not only uh, to take away our sins, but destro to destroy the works of the devil. <clears throat> Verse 8. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And we know that, okay? The, the devils, it's a personal thing. It's a personal attack. Jesus took away uh, his power. And then thirdly, let's see the Holy Spirit's love. <coughs> Excuse me again. Uh, and his love for us. Okay. He gives us a new nature. Okay, verse 9 here. What's, or whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. Now think about that. 
You have the Holy Spirit within you now. Now he's talking about, again, being a son or daughter of God. You have the blood, the bloodline, or we say the last name of uh, your father. And that's what we have in him. If you have the Holy Spirit within you, you will sin, yes, but it ought to bother you. And the guilt of that and what we call conviction sets in. So I don't want to do that. Why? Because of the love of the Father, the love of the Son, the love of the Spirit. He gives us a new nature, uh, the, the nature of God, he says. He gives us, uh, lives in us to empower us and enable us not to sin. And we know that. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 talks about that. No temptation taken you, but God is faithful. He'll help you through it. He makes it po impossible for us to miss the mark. Okay? The word translated sin means literally to miss the mark. Miss the mark. Miss the mark of God's law. We need help. Verse 9 uh, brings us out for us again, and we see it. Now, in our daily walk, we can commit acts of sin and displease God. We know that. He sends the correction, the chastening, the conviction our way. He does not allow His children to live that way for too long. In our position, we cannot miss the mark of sin because sin is not imputed to us. Okay, So just thinking about that tonight, we have the love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when we see that and understand it and truly love Him in return, as we sang the song tonight, we love Him because He first loved us. Oh, how I love Jesus because He first loved me. It's a wonderful thing. He, he initiated the love, and He interacted. He intercepted. He interceded on our behalf and said, I'm going to go ahead and take your place. I'm going to take the wrath and, and understanding that, that if we were to die tonight without salvation, where we would go and where we would end up. Okay, in a Christless hell. And so God interceded in that <clears throat> and took our place. And so my friends tonight, again, just thinking through this, that we can now live <coughs> for Him. Uh, now verse 11, okay, we'll close out here. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, Wherefore slew he him, because his own works were evil, and his brothers righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. Okay? So he gives us an example of it for us that we are to love one another, as we talked about this morning. But then he defines for us that very first sibling relationship in the world, where there should have been love, and there wasn't. Cain, who was of that wicked one, slew his brother. And you know the story. God comes down and he says, where's your brother? And he says in a very sarcastic, disrespectful way, he says, what? Am I my brother's keeper? I don't know where he is. He's lying. He's deceitful. He's a murderer. And it says of Satan that he was a murderer and he, he's the father of lies. And we know that and understand it. So he slew his brother because why? His works were evil. His brothers were righteous. <clears throat> and then he clarifies that the world will hate you and hate me. Why? Because of our love, our love for the Lord, our love for each other. There's something different about that. The world tonight is all about hatred and violence and variance and uh, words that are used in the Bible of malice and other things. That's what the world is. And when someone is rude and disrespectful to you and mean-spirited, you just chalk it up and say, Lord, yep, I know that. Now, if you caused it, okay, you know. But if the you're living for the Lord. It's so hard to do it. I know. 
but you live for the Lord, and you stay right with Him, and you understand tonight all the love that God has for us. Now, I want to encourage you, if you haven't read through the book of 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, you got to read through them. It'll take you no time at all. They're so short. But they're so, so helpful in the Christian life because you find out who God is, who He truly is. And John, you know, wrote this, and he's described as the disciple whom Jesus loved, not the only one He loved, but he's referred to as that because he was very close with the Lord and he was one of those real kind of compassionate uh, fellas. And he was used in a great way to serve the Lord. And this age in which he was at, he was getting up in years at this point, and he had already gone through a lot of trials and difficulties. And they literally tried to boil him alive. It didn't work. He survived it. He came out of it. And for the, uh, the, we're not sure exactly how many years afterwards he lived, but just can you imagine the, the pain he lived with, the torture that he lived with? And here he writes a book describing what? The ability and confidence and security of knowing that we can know him, <laughs> that we have a Savior that loves us, and that he manifested and was manifested to take away our sins now we have the Holy Spirit living within us and guiding us to what? Enable us and empower us to not sin and enable us and empower us not to miss the mark and to live for Christ the way we should. All right. <clears throat> Let's see here. I got a few verses left, but anyways, I'll leave those alone. Okay. So tonight we check ourselves, take a little checkup from the neck up. And do we have the qualities of a real child of God? We understand. Do you love Him? I know you do, but know this, that God loves you. I said this morning, He loves you unconditionally. He knows all about you. He knows more about you than you know of yourself. Maybe your spouse reminds you of who you are sometimes. <laughs> I said something to her the other day, and she said, no, you're not good at that. I said, well, yeah, I am. <laughs> no, that's not, your good, that's not one of your good gifts. You know? <laughs> Thanks a lot. You know? But it helps us, doesn't it? Reality check. And you think about it, He loves you unconditionally, knows all about you, and still loves you. And He'll never leave you nor forsake you. No matter what you do or the sin you commit, He'll never leave you. You're a child of His. But that we know that tonight, we go forward and we live our lives with that knowledge of His love. And we love Him then, and we obey Him then, because He first loved us, and because of all that He's done for us. Right? Amen. All right. Well, I'll stop there. I appreciate you all listening. I apologize again for my throat tonight and coughing so much. Uh, but I hope you get feeling better, better, some of you, and have a good week ahead of you. I'll be praying for you. Again, if you do need anything or you need prayer, you just need to talk, something, anything, please let me know. I'd love to talk with you, okay? We'll pray for us this week. And Lord willing, we'll see you all back here on Wednesday. And uh, if you need anything in between, let us know. All right, Lord, thank you for this evening again for this wonderful morning you gave us, and now this evening, and a, a good uh, services today. I thank you for our people, just faithful. Uh, I can't thank them enough for just being faithful. And uh, we love you, Lord. We thank you. We think about your love for us, not only the love of the Father, the love of the Son, but of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we thank you. We pray you'd help us. Because you love us, we can go forward and love others like we should. We can love uh, you back in return like we should. And I pray you'd empower us to do that. Protect us this week as we all go our separate ways tonight. Bring us back, Lord willing, this Wednesday. And Lord, we plead for you to return. We look forward to that day. We're excited about it. Help us in between to reach those around us with the gospel. 
We love you again and thank you. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen.